This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Bow, bow, bow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to the Friday morning episode. Um, I don't think there's anything else that's more pressing or important than the um, the, the clip of Jeff Capes that appeared online yesterday. Yeah. Do you agree? I agree, yeah. It's from the BBC Archive, which I have to say is probably my favourite account on Twitter it's and Facebook. It? Yeah. It is relentlessly superb content every single day of the week. Um, but once in a while it throws something up that is particularly noteworthy. And yesterday that thing was a clip of Jeff Capes. Uh, just a little news yep. story of Jeff Capes from, what yep. was the year? 1976. Um, I guess it was probably from Nationwide or something like that. Yeah, was that's what it looks like it's from a, a magazine news show. 1976, yeah. on this day. Uh, oh, tonight. It was a programme called Tonight. Broke down the 12,000 oh, right. yeah. calorie daily diet that helped to fuel strongman and Olympian Jeff Capes. First thing that I thought about this, Andy, is that like nowadays there's so much wellness content, isn't there? So much <laughs> yeah. wellness content everywhere, right? Mm. And it's all about what you should and shouldn't be eating, how you should spend mm. your day, how to keep your mind, body, and spirit aligned and healthy. And the chakras, yeah, and, and, all and, of that. and then yeah, there's chakras, and then like there's stuff like, do you remember a couple of years ago, Mark Wahlberg? I think we talked about it on the pod. Mark Wahlberg, uh, Wahlberg made <laughs> hit, made made public his routine, his fitness routine and diet, didn't he? Which I think yeah, involved yeah. getting up at like three in the morning and sitting in a glass box and. And blah blah blah, and that was very Hollywood. I've, and this I've, is I've like I've got it in front of me. If you want to have a quick recap of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Two thirty a.m. wake up. Two forty-five a.m. prayer time. Uh, <laughs> right, time for a quick prayer. <laughs> breakfast, then a workout at three forty a.m. Uh, and then seven thirty a.m. is golf. Just for thirty minutes of golf, though. Fucking hell! And that's followed How by much can you snack. get done in thirty minutes of golf? Not much, right? I don't know, three or four or five holes maybe. Right. Not a lot. Power golf. Mm. Maybe he's on the driving range. I don't know. Snack at 8am. Then mm. snack at 8am till 9.30am. So it's already An hour snack. I, I like his style. Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Fucking and then hell. that's followed by cryo chamber recovery. Yeah, which cryo Which I think is a chamber that you go in and you just cry. cry. You just cry, yeah. We'd all like for, one of them. Uh, for an hour. And then he has another snack. That's a bit and like what he, I regard the beta modular as, is a crying chamber. A crying chamber. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You can, you can, it's, it's tax deductible because it's therapy. Yeah. Um, another snack. Family time at 11 a.m. Kids will be at school by then, so that's good. <laughs> um, lunch, meetings, 3 p.m., pick up kids at school. Um, another snack, 3.30. Second workout of the day, 4 p.m., um, dinner and family time, 5.30pm. And then bedtime at 7.30pm. Fuck's like sake. a baby. Marky Mark. I thought you were a fucking geezer. <laughs> but this is ridiculous going to bed at fucking 7.30pm. It's even early for me. Um, fucking deranged. Yeah, he's off his fucking nut. So that's like the modern equivalent. But what we're doing now, what we're seeing with this Jeff Capes clip, is the wellness routine of... 1976. Jeff Capes, very much the Mark Wahlberg of his day. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it, it, it's kind of um, on the the uh, BBC archive post. I'm looking at the Facebook one. 
um, it, it kind of tees it up and gives gives you a little bit teaser by giving you the line, feeding capes is rather like stoking a human furnace. <laughs> That's my favourite line in the whole thing. <laughs> so if you go to BBC Archive on Twitter or on Facebook, it's there. It's three minutes, 50 seconds long. We'll work our way through it, I think, shall we? Yeah. Um, it begins, we see Jeff Capes uh, at a sports ground. Uh, it's like it looks like a municipal sports ground. It might be a state of the art from 1976. <laughs> the 70s, it looks yeah. like a, a school fucking mm-hmm. um, athletics area. And it says Capes started shot putting as a boy at school. And then we see him doing some shot putting. He's got his Adidas trainers on and his Adidas mm. tracky bottoms. Um, he used to throw 56 pound sacks of potatoes around just for the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he would have been a schoolboy in the 60s. There wouldn't have been a huge, maybe even the 50s, there wouldn't have been a huge amount for him to do. So he just thought, fuck it, I'll throw around sacks of potatoes. He's probably thrown everything else and done it with ease and you just kind of go higher and bigger and harder. Yeah. And where do you end up? You end up with 56 pound sacks of potatoes. Get me a sack of potatoes. Biggest one you can find. I'm going to fucking chuck it. Well, I think we'd already established in our live shows that how does Jeff Capes talk again? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Capes. My name talks is Jeff Capes. Right, yeah, talks like this. Yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot. I, to be honest, I completely forgot about us doing Jeff Capes live until you yeah. just said it. <laughs> I was thinking Jeff today Capes was and... the day we were first touching upon Jeff Capes. Yeah, I remember we did Jeff oh. Capes, but Jeff Capes at um fucking what do you call it years ago? Davos. It was a- he was at Davos with Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. he's a regular speaker at Davos. Yeah, so then we see a bit of him doing his lifting. Uh, he requ- it, his training schedule requires him to sweat through five hours of exercise a day, most of it weightlifting. Um, I mean, later on he speaks about his his um, fat levels. Mm. Um, I find him quite seeing, defensive about that, doesn't he? I'm seeing a little bit of a belly on him here. To I'll me, I've always thought, even when I was a kid, I thought, oh, Jeff Capes is the strongest man. I think at the time I assumed he was the strongest man in the world. Maybe he was briefly. Like he kept winning world's strongest man, didn't he? He did, yeah. He was, well, he was always the strongest man in, in the in the UK. Yeah. But there was usually some Viking the, There was a Icelandic who was, was, who was always yeah, like up against him. That was his rival, wasn't it? Sigurdsson <laughs> yeah. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's always the fucking Icelandic. They are a strong nation, mate. They are physically yeah. powerful. But Capes, yeah, I always thought he's really strong, but I'd always look at him and think, but he just looks really fat. And then you just think, mm. well, I wouldn't question it or judge him. I just assumed as a boy, no. I thought that's how you become strong. Is to just put yeah. on loads and loads of weight, um, but in this, oh, he's dead defensive about being called fat, isn't yeah, he? That, that comes later on. But I'm looking at him; he's lifting his lifting his weights, and the looks the looks like there's a bit of a belly on him. He's lifting a mere thirty stone at this point, um, and he's got it on his shoulders, and he's getting up and down off a, a bench or something. Mm. And there's his trainer there, who yeah. <laughs> is urging him on, and he said, "Come on, straighten the right leg." <laughs> in a typical week Jeff lifts 120 tonnes which is the equivalent of 18 double decker buses fuck off really that's amazing not, not all in one go but you oh. know, throughout the week oh I see oh um, yeah yeah I don't know if that seems a lot but I don't know he does have a lot of downtime I'm going to see what it is in kilos because uh, 
I oh. couldn't tell you what a ton is. I I know. What's a ton in kilos? What did he say it was? 120? Because I understand lifting... I understand lifting in yeah. kilos. And um, it's yeah, 907 kilos. And he, he lifts how many tons a week? 120 tons. Fucking hell. I just... I'm I sorry. Don't think it's possible to I do the I don't believe maths. that's it's... true. Well, so, I mean, I'm not... Well, if, if Jeff Capes was here now... I wouldn't accuse him to his face of lying in case yeah. he ripped my head off. But well, I I don't know about that. I, I mean, is that in total with every lift that he does just gets added on and on until eventually there's 18 double deck buses even across tallied. The... Anyway. I mean, let, if you let, don't let's just leave that, it at this. He's super strong and can lift right, really, really heavy shit. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't believe that, Sam, then are you going to believe the next bit, which says, on occasions, he has even been called on to lift real cars to enable friends to change tyres. I believe that. (laughs) I believe that because you don't have to lift the whole car up above your head or anything, do you? You just got to lift the front up or the back, haven't you? And also cars in those days, do you know what I mean? It's like most people were driving around in fucking minis or robbing Reliance or what what have you. I mean, Yeah. yeah, you or I could lift a car up for like five minutes from the back a small car yeah yeah well i mean when we were so kids, just two, we heard... two wheels were off the back you know yeah yeah when we were kids we all heard the 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 tales some say myths of mums of, of things lifting up people lifting cars yeah. if their kids had become trapped under yeah, it's them. Usually mums suddenly developing super up, strength yeah mums can call upon super strength if their child yeah. is trapped under a car it's just very mums, specific it? very specific <laughs> Um, but that is, yeah, that is the truth. That's actually science. Yeah. A mum, yeah. if they have a child under a car, can lift any weight. Yeah, once they've got, once they've given birth to a child, yeah. then it's just latent um, within them. The, the, the real shame of it is, is that they can only ever unleash that strength. Mm. They can only really put it to the test in the event of their child being trapped under a car. Yeah, yeah, which Trick does lead a it? lot of women. Mums, mm. understandably, in my opinion, to purposefully trap their children under a car. I mean, I'd be tempted if I was a mum yeah. to do just that with one could. of my kids, the, just the, because I'd want to put it to the test. The other thing is, though, you're only allowed to do it once. It's like a bee with a sting. You can only yeah. do it once, and then you die. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, be careful. Don't just don't use that. Power I thought it was really once nearly. a year. I thought it was like if your kid gets trapped no, under once, a car no. once, then <laughs> you can save yeah. it. But then you cannot use the same strength again until a year has passed. So basically, what, like, uh, like, do not get more than one kid trapped under a car in the space of 12 months. Well, like on a video game where you, your power gradually increases and increases until it, you can use yeah, it again. Yeah, it takes a full... It takes the earth to go around the sun once. No, I don't think that's true. I think it's just once in your life. Because the thing oh. is, it's like lightning striking, right. isn't it? Your kid getting trapped under a car, it's not going to happen twice in your life. If it's well, happened once not. before... Well, some people are very careless, sure. aren't they? Well, if it happens once before, you're going to make super sure that it doesn't ever happen again. So, uh, but you, you're dead anyway because you've lifted the car and yeah, all your so power's been sapped. What, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, the um, best bit about all of this cape stuff, which I'm, I mean, you know, sorry to get too excited and get ahead of myself, is when we get onto the food that he consumes. Well, this is a th- this is the next bit. Yeah, it says that he burns up to twelve thousand calories per day, which is four times the rate no of a normal person. So, 
what does that mean that four some of us are burning three thousand calories a day is that right is that normal no i don't think you burn that many calories a day i don't think so So, and and as you say then uh it means though that he has a lot to consume at least four times the amount of food of a normal person at least fucking four times and then we see it says the most vital element of his daily diet is six pounds of red meat and we cut to a close-up of a pile a pile of, of meat. what can only be described as 70s meat as well. <laughs> 70s meat, It's yeah. sort of like partic- not, particularly 70s it's looking meat, pleasant, isn't it? is it? Like modern meat. It's not. Yeah. It's not like modern meat will have a bright redness about it and look quite fresh. This is sort of pale, fatty, congealed and it, looks way past it. its best. It's pink because of the high fat content in it. It's, yeah. it's not red meat, it's pink meat. Um, and we, it, it zooms out. And we see um, one and a half pounds of cottage cheese. Um, what else is it? Because it goes through the subtitles. Oh my god! I'm reading it now. Six pounds of red meat. Yeah. In addition, every day he gets through one and a half pounds of cottage cheese, a pound of butter, a packet of cereal, one packet special care, yeah, two special large care. loaves, a dozen eggs, a large tin of beans. What's a large tin? Looks like a regular tin. Two tins of pilchards, one pint of orange juice. It's a Kiora. It's a bad it's We talked about orange juice recently because orange juice was a real luxury in the 70s. Fresh yeah. orange juice was rarely seen. So they say orange juice, but actually it's a big thing of Kiora. I think it's, it's squash or concentrate. That's what it looks like. Because, yeah, you would get... Yeah, posh kids would get orange juice and they'd have it delivered to their doorstep with the just milk, Just juice. They? Little box of just, oh, juice. just juice. Um, it looks like Kiora. So does he just drink it? Un- I think diluted. it's squash, but because he's Jeff Capes, he just drinks the squash undiluted. Just I think he does. Just fucking chugs the does. whole lot down in one go. Because you would do that when you were a kid. You would try it because you would you would think Bit like you pretend you were like drinking whiskey or something like an adult. Ah, uh, yeah. You'd have a, a small shot. glass of a, a small of glass squash. of concentrated orange juice, and it'd be like, that's too strong. Can't handle it. Did you ever go to a friend's house and they go, "Do you want some squash?" Or their mum might go, do you want to squash? You go, yeah, all right. And then <laughs> they pour in um, a significantly different amount to the amount that your mum pours in at your house. Yeah. And you start freaking out. <laughs> yeah. The worst the worst would be if they'd give you it really weak. It yeah. would be like, You're like what's, what's the this point of that? Fucking drip. But it would be almost as bad if they did it really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I am... I, um, I, still discuss that with my um with my wife now obviously these days we don't have squash because we're we're, mm. we're quite literally too posh for squash which is mm. a t-shirt that i'm gonna get made right <laughs> <laughs> but back then in the 80s when i knew because i knew my wife at school but we you know when we weren't dating i did go to her house once with my mate right. and she said do you want some squash and I'm not yeah. fucking joking. She filled up practically half the tumbler with squash before diluting it. And me and my mate yeah. have never forgotten that. Like, we left our house and we were like this as we left. Like, yeah, bye, thanks. Thanks for having us over. And as we left, we were like, what, both simultaneously, what the fuck was that with the squash? Because <laughs> we've been too polite to say anything. We were like, did you see the amount of fucking squash she put in the glass? So years later, after we were married, like, you know, whatever, 15 years after that incident, 
I've gone, listen, we're married now, so I might as well just fucking bring this up. <laughs> what was going on with the fucking squash situation in your house when you were a kid? Was that normal? Is that what your mum had taught you? And she was like, yeah, that's just what we always did. And I went, well, it was gross. It was wasteful. And it was like fucking bizarre. But it, ha- it happened. It happened. Um, and th- little things like that, when you went to a mate's house, I would get them. I mean, I've talked before about my quite bad homesickness issues, haven't yeah. I? And yeah. they would get triggered by strange things. And a little detail like that that was done differently in mm. the house I was staying at, that would trigger my homesickness. I'd be like, oh, my You'd God. Ring your mum immediately. Oh, my God. They're weak squash people. They are weak yeah. squash people, and I'm stuck in this house with them for the night. I need to go. Yeah. I need to make an excuse. I need to get home. Yeah, quite right. So um, do you think it was maybe a Hungarian thing? That's maybe, but I, that's that's possible. Just strange things, Hungarians. Are like I told you about when when my when my father-in-law first came to London. I must have told you this one. Like in Hungary, right? They drink. They don't drink wine from wine glasses. They just drink it out of, like tumblers. You know, like a half pint glass in a pub. Mm. That's what they have their wine in, right? Mm. So he goes into a pub in like the fifties in Soho. And, and goes, I will have a white wine, please, right? Which, again, in the 50s, to order wine in a pub, especially if you're a man, was fucking weird. But it wasn't weird for a Hungarian. So he walked into his pub and so on and said, wine, please. And they were like, fucking hell, a bit weird. Hey? So he goes, they went out into the back and rummaged around for ages, like, <laughs> like, you know, crash, bang, wallop. Eventually they come out with this dusty old bottle of white wine that's warm, open it up, and get the like, you know, goblet style fucking wine glass, dust that off, and pour him a normal measure of white wine into this thing. Put it in front of him, and he just fucking downs it in one like a shot and goes, Yeah, that's fine, I'll have a glass, please. Cause he thought they were giving him a fucking taste. You know, like they do now to the hipsters <laughs> with their silly beers. He thought they were giving yeah. them a fucking snifter of it as a taste of heaven. <laughs> that was your glass of wine, you cunt. <laughs> I mean, there's a what? pub in Soho in the 50s, so they weren't particularly welcoming, you know, to foreigners yeah. or anything like that. They're like, fuck off, that was your fucking wine. He's like, you're joking. Get out. You're joking. It was like a fucking tiny little sip. And they go, get out, pay us some money and get out. Go on, fuck off. Fucking wine drinking weirdo. Because <laughs> if you have wine with him, he just pours a whole fucking half pint of it. They drink pint it by the wine. half pint. Yeah. They drink by the half pint. Like Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Back to Jeff Capes, though, because he's on seven bottles of milk a day. Seven pints of milk yeah, that, when every they, day. Before, that's, they just show him lifting massive weights and then stopping and picking up a massive bottle of milk and chugging loads of it. And we were talking about that recently, weren't we? Because yeah, it was I, actually, did, I, I shared a clip of the boss in the Sweeney saying, I drink I drink seven... He goes, what's he say? He goes, I, I drink seven glasses of milk a day. Doesn't make mm. any difference. Right. <laughs> and we talked about that the other day because it's like, you said, oh, yeah, because back then it was considered like, I don't know, um, smoothies. It was a are. fitness drink. It, it was, was a fitness, fitness drink. drink. Milk. Literally yeah, drinking milk it. just made you strong. It was what you drank while yeah. you exercised. Imagine now. Yeah. The last thing you fancy if you've been out for a fucking run is a horrible <laughs> old milk. pint of milk. Curdling on your guts. <laughs> Afterwards. Disgusting. But then it was just like the most normal thing in the world, wasn't it? The last person in this country to drink milk for fitness was Michael Owen. 
Yeah. In the advert that he did. And then did it he was do a milk advert? Yeah, he did a milk advert after when, just when he was a young kid when he first broke through. Oh, uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, we go back to Jeff Capes' rig and um, it's proper 70s rig with like floral wallpaper and all that kind of thing. And there's there's what it looks like a really long dining table, which is up against yeah. the wall. It's not there for dining. It's like a fold-away one. It's like a kind of a big picnic table, isn't it? You would take on a camping trip. They need you. a special table just for him because yeah, he has a number Jeff's of table. plates. He has like a number of plates, but full dinner yeah. plates all presented That's, in front of him at once. That, that's one of his meals. And like it says, feeding capes is rather like stalking a human furnace. <laughs> um, and we see his wife. It's his wife, Jill. And she's, she's basically just made him a bunch of Sunday dinners. Yeah. She says, you're continually cooking or preparing some meal all day. Um, and the interviewer says, all day? How much of all day? She says, oh, well, we start about 7.30 in the morning. We carry right on through till about 8 o'clock at night. After that, he just usually helps himself. <laughs> <laughs> you go off to bed. I will help myself now. To what um, I can find I in the fed fridge. I for myself. <laughs> I go out into woods. I, I eat for- hedgehogs. Jeff will forage now. Right. Oh, forage for jabby dodgers. Jalapeno. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeno. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jalapeño. When they show this spread that she's laid out from on the table, that was the Mm. moment where I quickly (laughs) sent the link to you because there was something about that spread on the table that I thought... Yeah, Andy, I love this because it's re- it's really beige. The wallpaper, the food is all beige and brown, but also the so is the wallpaper. It's sort of a patterned brown wallpaper, and also, um, did you notice the enormous jug of gravy that she's yes. served up as well? I was well? just going to get to that because yeah. we've got we've got um, I've I've embiggened the picture so we can see better. There's a, what looks like a quarter of a, a meat pie, a huge <laughs> amount of mashed potato, yeah. some gravy. There might be some meat in the gravy as well. And it's there's a some, very thick some gravy, greens isn't of it? some kind. And then there's that's replicated on another plate. And then there's a third plate, which just looks like it's got some grilled meat on it. There might be a couple of sausages on there. It's kind of like um, one of those... Um, meat kebab things that you get which has got everything a bit of everything on it <laughs> yeah mixed grill so she's she's applying a mixed grill of course she's applying the gravy onto there there's a bowl of fuck knows what and um another plate of what looks like steak with mashed potato there might be a, a cottage pie in there as well and like you say a brilliant jug of gravy which has got its own uh saucer that it lives on yeah um 
It's fucking huge. And the gravy looks so rich and thick, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, do you think that, that would have been instant in 1976? It would have to be, I think, for Kips's needs. Yeah. He, he's on the gravy around the clock, isn't he? You yeah, there's no way you'd be able to make from gravy scratch. from scratch consistently no, for him, the amount be. he gets through. And, and that's his lunch. Um, At this point, when his wife turned up, I thought his wife was quite um, attractive, right? Mm. And I went, oh, look, here's his wife. She seems all right about it. And I was watching my wife, and I said, oh, my God, it suddenly dawned on me. It was sort of thinking out loud thing. I said, imagine what it was like having sex with him. <laughs> we all thought that. Yeah, and then, and then she didn't answer. And then I said to her, what do you think it would be like to have sex with him? And she sort of, I think she really put some thought into it. Maybe she mm. pictured it, I don't know. That there was a long pause and then she just sort yeah. of said quite softly, not good. <laughs> it would not be good sex. It would not be fair, equitable sex. No, but that's his sort of sex is all taste, isn't it? I mean, that's her opinion. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, you know, uh, other, other people would, like, relish the prospect. Who who knows? Jeff, for, for he might just lie back and just let her use him like a toy. We don't I like know, her do to do the work. That way I can lie yeah. back and carry on snacking while she works away at me. <laughs> I have a bucket of curry while she's riding me. <laughs> I eat it with a ladle. <laughs> So that's his lunch on the table, and then she says, then after that he'll continue eating small meals, you know, throughout the day. Um, Nothing big, just continue eating all day. And the man says, small meals, like what? Oh, say about half a pound of cheese, he'll grill (laughs) and eat that with bread. (laughs) Just half a pound. Give us half a can of uh, cheese, I fancy a quick snack. What does he do? Hollow the bread out and just put it into the loaf and then grill (laughs) it or something? Mm. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? And then, of course, the the uh, the talk turns to the the budget, and it's impossible to pay for all this. You know, he's not a millionaire. Mm. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, there are generous sponsors. At, at on this hand. stage, he was just a shop putter. I mean, I don't know how just much money you get as a shop putter, but probably yeah, not that much. And and he was an Olympian, so he had to stay amateur. Mm. So I don't know what he was doing in the rest of his time to earn a crust. There's, al- there's also a little bit you see the family eating eating one of these huge meals together. This big pie mash peas thing. Yeah. There's him. There's his wife Jill and their kid. And Jill just looks as if she's just having to just really force this food into her mouth because oh. she's just having this every fucking day to be sympathetic to Jeff. Yeah. And to join in. Oh, you make me feel judged and self conscious when you do not eat the same amount as me. <laughs> we all sit now, sit together as family. I um, I interviewed a, a, a bodybuilder once, right? And it was actually mm. really sad because he told me that he. Um, he told me about his eating routine. Uh, he was a competitive mm. bodybuilder. So he wasn't a strong man, mm. I don't think. It was more sort of like just, you know, like they compete to show off their muscles, one of those situations. Yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> never really thought of it like that, but that's literally what they do. And, uh, and he said, you know, you have to eat so much that you don't, it's, it's like not pleasurable because you're never hungry. Because you're just constantly... So you're forcing food in when you're not hungry. And actually, it is quite sad because he had a training partner who died 
because he oh, forced God. too much food into himself and he choked. Because you're just Fucking forcing hell. it in like a, you know, like they, All the time. like the French, yeah. the French do it to geese, don't they? For when they're making they their foie gras. The, but you have to do that. Yeah. If you're a bodybuilder, you have to basically do that to yourself. Yeah. The most powerful muscle then becomes the, the throat or the, yeah. or the gullet, I guess. Yeah. And it says the meat would cost on its own 15 pounds a week. Um, it's provided free by a national chain of butchers. <laughs> they don't they mention are. who. I don't know who they would be. I can't think of what the national chain of butchers would be in the 70s. Um, but there you go. But um, the best thing, the, we're approaching the best bit of food now. <laughs> well, we're told that the milk is free as well. Yeah. And then on the day we were filming, Capes was phoned by the company whose pilchards he eats. <laughs> To tell him, 380 uh, tins of the stuff were on their way to him, again, as a gift. Uh, <laughs> Are you seeing uh, that's the bit you're referring to? Yes, the pilchards. The, the pilchard call. Right from the beginning, I was like, they did mention earlier when they showed his sort of array of food with the 70s meat, there were several tins of pilchards, so I wanted to mention it then, but then I remembered it gets funnier because they strike a pilchard deal live on camera <laughs> it's amazing this is the sort of rarefied life he's living this is rhinestone cowboy stuff mate isn't it i wonder um 380 tins of pilchards is that how long would that last you think that's a year is that one a day and then an extra 15 just for snacking on don't think i've ever eaten a pilchard in my life i, I certainly it, I, I assume it's just sort of similar to a sardine Mm. But I feel as though I'm ready to explore the world of tinned fish. Well, I used to. Lot, I mean, I don't further. eat fish, but I used to be a huge fan of tuna. But I was never a sardine man. My main, the, the main thing that um, that the word pilchard reminds me of is that my my country cousins lived in a mm. small village in the Cotswolds that, that we used to go and visit them in when we were kids. It country was, cousins, country cousins, very small, remote, beautiful village, and there was a local pub. And uh, we'd go in there, but like sometimes there was like um, there was some local roughs, but obviously mm. roughs in the context of the Cotswolds, right? Country roughs, <laughs> country roughs, right? <laughs> and they called themselves the leader of these country roughs was called um, Finley, and obviously to us, we'd come up from London, and we'd just think these people were, you know. All due respect, we thought they were daft bumpkins, right? Yeah. These, these local roughs. But our cousins were, like, terrified of them because they had a reputation. Yeah. And they called themselves, these local country roughs, the IVF, right? Not right. intravenous fertilisation. <laughs> no, that's what you may think. But, in fact, IVF stood for the intervillage firm. Fucking hell. So they're basically... No, I... I... Yeah. My natural instinct is to be more frightened of country roughs than town roughs. Yeah, I think now with with like with with time, I'm a bit mm. more like aware of the world, and I think the, yeah, I mean fear country roughs, of course. There's but, more feral. Plus, there's yeah. more places to, to bury. Yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, and there's strange little worlds that they occupy yeah. where the normal rules yeah. don't apply, and. They have large calloused hands and they're used to working mm. with machinery and they handle 
feces a huge amount and it's not all the time and they witness death every day they do so yeah. they're desensitized to death completely right yeah so oh, for all those reasons they'll, they'll i think, was wrong think nothing they'll think nothing of strangling a goose to death yeah exactly every day well, every day they they always seem to clip a, like a partridge or a fox they always clip it in their car mm. and then they yeah. have to get out and go i had to finish it with the wrench it was the humane thing yeah. to do but they Put do it, it at the misery. drop of a hat, mate. Sometimes I don't think they have clipped it or winged it, right? They they haven't really, but they think they might have done. So to be on the safe side, they screech through a hole <laughs> and leap out with their wrench and just chase the poor fucker and bash its brains out while saying, it's the humane thing to do. <laughs> I've just realised that my favourite bit hasn't come yet in this and it involves capturing animals. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that in yeah. a minute. But just quickly, uh, with regards <laughs> yeah. to Inter Village Farm, um, yeah, I was, I think, you know, probably me and my brothers were a bit arrogant. We'd come up from mm. London and walk into the village pub being a bit, oi, oi, what's all this then? Here in the village pub? Right. But they were, my, my brother, I think it was Cass actually, and my uncle Simon were in this local pub playing pool. And two members of the village firm came over and put their money down to play them in a game of doubles which was yeah. fine but my cousin was there and he was terrified that the intervillage firm had turned up to play pool with his relatives because mm. he thought oh this can only go one way um, mm. so they were playing and my brother was having quite a bad game and Finley the head of the uh, intervillage firm muttered <laughs> under his breath when Cass missed a shot pilchard and Cass thought <laughs> what did he just call me but he'd muttered it and he went he thought to himself, I'm sure he just called me, I'm sure that village rough just called me a pilchard. I've never been called a pilchard before. Before I might have misheard, I won't say anything. But then it was my uncle's turn and he missed a shot even worse. And this bloke, Finney, went, you're an even bigger pilchard than he is. <laughs> and this became the stuff of legend, right? Wow. <laughs> like, you got mugged off happen? by the fucking inter-village firm, right? In a sleepy Cotswold village, you fucking let that bloke call you a pilchard and you never done nothing about it. And we remind him of that yeah. to this day. So I can't think pilchards without thinking of that incident. It's a, it is a God, belittling, yeah. it's a very belittling word to apply to someone, I, isn't it? I think he did the right thing in not escalating it, though. No, I think he laughed you know, it off. It was, the, it, it was his turf. Yeah. So your fish kick and he's pilchard. Yeah. There's a pattern there, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. What a family. <laughs> Pathetic. So we get back to Capes, and then there's a bit of an interview with him, and he says, "Yeah, you know, I'm as fit as anybody, really. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. I don't. I mean, the doctors talk about the man on the street, do they? The big fat man, but there's no fat on me, son. Not See, at all. I feel that's a bit threatening. Did you find that actually, although our impression of him is funny, that he mm. was he was more well spoken than you imagined him to be? Yeah, more softly spoken. But softly I do remember spoken. him from back then, yeah. Yeah. He, he we've, sort of, we've just we've assigned that voice to him because of how he looks, haven't we? Because of how he looks. But I've Basically. completely forgotten that he speaks quite softly and yeah, quite well. Yeah, a gentleman. Quite well. Yeah. And uh, But I felt that he was being slightly threatening at this point. It was the only point at which he's yeah. fairly threatening. Because he goes, there's no yeah. fat on me, son. And I'm sat yeah, there yeah. thinking, there fucking is. And he's saying it to the yeah, interviews. If, if you don't even fucking think of suggesting I've got any fat on me, because I will rip your fucking skull off your neck. Mm. There's a couple of benign threats in it, and that's one of them. Yeah. But I think he, he's kind of like saying, you know, 
I'm, I am a nice man. I am softly spoken. I am gentle. But if I have to, I will rip your fucking head off <laughs> and shit down the neck hole. <laughs> I thought when his wife was talking about how much she has to feed him, that it was it sounded like she was talking about Chewbacca. It didn't sound like she was talking about a human, did it? She was like, yeah, well, yeah. I, have to, I have to give him all of this and then he wants more and then he yeah. bends himself. I said, it's like she's talking about feeding a what She owns like a wild animal a or wild a beast, beast of some sort. Yeah. yeah. And then appropriately, we see him caged after that because he's in his aviary with his beloved budgies. Um, and it says, Kips is conscious of the strain. Uh, the competitive shot putting imposes on him and his budgies are flying around him in the aviary and all of a sudden he just fucking reaches out grabs one mid-air <gasps> catches right. it in his big hand and I don't think that that budgie could possibly survive that no, dead I think there's no way a tiny budgie can be gripped out of the sky oh. by one of the world's best shot putters oh, it is broken oh. it has stopped I working the other one. I only wanted to love it I love it too much. Everything I love dies. Dies. <laughs> Dead of love. And it catches it in one hand and then looks down at it. It says the budgies are his safety valve. <laughs> what? Like catching them and killing them. <laughs> safety valve. That The implication there is he's literally likely to explode at any fucking moment. Yeah, yeah. Unless he, I mean, unless he, he has almost... access to a budgie. To the budgies, and then it cuts to all the budgies, and they're up on a really high perch at the top of the aviary, kind of out of reach of him. <laughs> <laughs> His wife sat puts some of them up there. Yeah, they're like the budgies, like get this. Oh, fucking hell, here he comes! Quick, get off high before he tries and <laughs> oh, before he crushes you <laughs> in his fist. Oh, fuck! Here comes the giant. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's got a net as well, and he's catching them in his a budgie net. net yeah. It's, yeah, it says thrashing around a birdcage with a budgie net. <laughs> thrashing around <laughs> is an unlikely activity for an international athlete of Cape's size and strength. <laughs> so he's catching them and then putting them back in the net, taking them out. It says Cape's records he'd probably crack up. <laughs> crack up without the budgies. I'm a danger to myself <laughs> and to others. <laughs> Unless I have access to the budgie community. <laughs> He says it's a question of relaxation from the hectic world of shot putting, really. Yeah, but I I questioned that bit. I thought, hang on a minute. They're working on this sort of assumption that we all accept that the world of shot putting is really stressful and hectic. hectic. That's something I don't necessarily accept. No. I mean, you fly around the world at the expense of the British Olympic Committee or whatever. You get to a fucking athletics ground and you get all your free milk and you chuck a fucking heavy ball uh, at some grass. That's it. Right, so I'm not saying it's easy. I wouldn't be able to do it, not to that standard. But he's like making out that, I don't know, it's not like he works in A&E. That's just my opinion. But then the the kind of second veiled threat of the clip. He says, you are aggressive when you throw. Mm. He says, you're aggressive to people around you. Yeah, that's... (laughs) And 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 then I just come home. (laughs) and completely relax completely the opposite to what people see me on television and see me throwing Uh when I go in there I can sit there for three or four hours talking to my birds Uh and kind of relax in myself Uh and this in itself helps me 
to prepare for the next competition. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, oh. it's re- that's the most sinister part of the whole film. <laughs> that's uh, that's where it ends. Yeah, because at that point you're like, hang on a minute, you're aggressive to people around you. Don't just say that casually. Uh, he's, he's sort yeah. of making out that he, he, get, he has to get himself so psyched up into a state of like almost an aggressive frenzy. In it turns or- into a monster. Uh, uh, in order to generate the power he requires to throw the shot put competitively, right? He has to he has to go into a dark space in his mind. And what mm. that means is, he's a, he, by his own admission, he's aggressive to people around. So presumably he has what? Helpers? Coaches? I guess so. Just a, t- yeah. a team, a coterie of people. And he's got the fellow who watches him train, doesn't he? He tells yeah. him to keep his, his legs straight. I have a nutritionist. I have a masseuse. I have a trainer. I have a manager who looks after my commercial opportunities, such as the big pilchard deal we've pulled off just today. Yeah, Yeah, I can't do that yourself. And, of course, my sports psychologist, who tells me to visualise shot-putting. And I can tell you now that when we are on the road together, I am extremely aggressive to all of them at all times. I have to be. (laughs) <laughs> it gives me the focus I need to get the further seven inches in my best throw and then I go back to time. my budgies and they fly around me and I grab them from the sky <laughs> and that makes me feel very relaxed I feel recalibrated and then my wife feeds me Kiora, pilchards and cottage cheese <laughs> for my dinner and then I am happy I am the luckiest man alive. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I repeat, there is no fat on me, son. I'm feeling relaxed right now, but I can tell that you are about to make me feel aggressive. Get me a budgie. Great, get me a budgie. I feel the Kiora searching through my veins. <laughs> ah, so there you go. That's the uh, that's the Jeff Capes clip. It's a that's great Jeff Capes nineteen seventy six for you. It's really and, great. Uh, we'll uh, there's an episode. We'll leave it there. Mm. Um, we'll be back uh, after the weekend with with more stuff and uh, and that. So thank you for listening. Oh, goodbye. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.